I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and we're going to be discussing the latest Arsenal-related news. We're just a day out from the second load of the All or Nothing episodes dropping. Really, really looking forward to that. There's been all sorts of teasers and clips going around on social media over the past 24 hours to get you in a mood. Um, what I will say, though, is... Uh, it looks as though it's going to be a lot more explosive and a lot more enjoyable and a lot more intriguing than maybe the first three episodes were. When the more I think about it, the more I've been kind of slightly disappointed by them. I mean, I guess they had to set the scene. I guess they had to build up the story. I guess they had to lay the foundations for what's to come. But I did find, you know, sort of when I watched them back the second time, the, the first round of episodes, just a little bit underwhelming. So I'm hoping for more uh, when the new ones drop. And as always, here on the Chronicles of Aguna, we'll be breaking down those episodes um, in the uh, the coming days as well. I will title the video Arsenal All or Nothing Review. So you know that if you haven't seen it yet, don't watch it. No spoilers, etc., etc. But yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to that. It's been a couple of days since we did a full-length podcast. So um, hope everybody's well. Hope everybody's good. Hope everybody's enjoying the sunshine. It is still baking here in London. I don't know what's going on these past few weeks. It's been beautiful. I'm not complaining. But the problem is that when the kids are home and off from school and want to play in the garden and you want a podcast in your little man cave at the back of the garden, you kind of have to shut the doors to keep the noise out. And then you basically boil Then you have to put a fan on and then the fan makes noise. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but if you can, I apologize. But anyway, let's move on. Let's uh, let's talk about what we're actually here to talk about. And we're going to start off with the story regarding Yuri Tielemans. Now, Tom Canton, good friend of the show over at the Gunatalk TV, uh, also writes for Football London and wrote a piece yesterday in which he provided an update on the Yuri Tielemans situation. Now, he's a player that many, many Arsenal fans have, have sort of been calling for us to go out and sign this summer, myself included. I think he'd be a really, really good and strong addition to the group. I think we could... Um, do a lot worse than Yuri Tielemans in the centre of midfield. I think he can be that box-to-box player that we want, but I also think he brings a bit of guile, a bit of creativity and, and a hell of a lot of quality, particularly in the attacking phase of the game. So he's somebody that I'd really, really like to see come in. And, and throughout the window, I've been quite confident that if Arsenal wanted to do this, they can. If Arsenal wanted to do this, they could make it happen between now and the end of the transfer window. But Tom's update doesn't give me a lot of hope that Arsenal are going to get this done between now and September 1st. And I'll explain why. So for those of you that haven't seen it, Tom's update uh, basically says that Arsenal are now prepared to wait as long as until next summer to get Yuri Tielemans in the door. An agreement is already in place with Arsenal. He wants to come to Emirates Stadium. There won't be any problems on that side by all accounts. But the problem lies with Leicester City, who are said to be demanding around about £32 million for Yuri Tielemans, despite him being in the final year of his contract. I still personally don't think that £32 million is over the top for Yuri Tielemans. I think it's about right because I'd make him 
a 45, 50 million pound player if he had two, maybe three years on his contract. So I don't think 32 is outrageous. I don't think it's crazy money. I, I, I don't think it's something that we should look at and, and think, oh my God, that's way too much. We could potentially get duped here. I, I would go and do this personally if I was Arsenal Football Club, because I think there is a real, real need to add midfield reinforcements. Now, I know numbers-wise, at this moment in time, at the time of recording, and things can change very, very quickly, we've got Partey, Xhaka, Odegaard in that midfield three. We've got Sambi, we've got El Elneny, Maitland-Niles is still at the club. Um, you've got Emil Smith-Rowe, Fabio Vieira, who could all potentially be midfield options. I think for me, Yes, there are numbers there, but after that first initial three, in terms of midfielders who are not attacking midfielders, midfielders who can sit that little bit deeper, who can play the box-to-box role, I think we just have such a huge drop-off in terms of the level between, for example, Xhaka and Elneny, between Partey and Lekonga. There's just such a massive drop-off that it feels to me like we'd be missing a trick, having gone and done so much in this transfer window, if we were to ignore the midfield position. Yuri Tielemans feels like a great fit to me, but clearly if Arsenal were that keen, they would have done it by now. I, I genuinely believe that. You know, at the start of the window, when people were saying, come on, Arsenal, go and get it done. I remember the initial reports suggested that that was a deal that we were going to get done by the end of June. I remember then thinking, guys, relax, don't panic. Arsenal are going to want to take this towards the back end of the window. And that way they would hope that they would get the best deal possible. But the longer the window goes on, and although that could still be the case, the more I feel like Arsenal are just digging their heels in here and don't want to pay the £32 million fee that Leicester want for Yuri Tielemans. Now, th- this is kind of in Yuri Tielemans' hands for me as well, because I think as a player, you know, we we don't like to see it. And we, we talk a lot about player power and the negative impact that's had on our game in general over the last few years. But you you do feel that if Yuri Tielemans really wants this move, if Yuri Tielemans really wants to make this happen, he has to kind of start throwing his toys out the pram as well. He has to make it difficult for Leicester City. He has to put Leicester City in a position where they're thinking £32 million now is better than sod all 12 months down the line. And it, it doesn't feel to me like we're getting enough of that from Tielemans. So that makes me think, Maybe he hasn't had that indication from Arsenal that they're willing to do that deal this summer. Maybe there is a feeling at Arsenal. Maybe it's been communicated to Yuri Tiedemans that, look, 12 months time when your contract ends, there is a place for you here at Arsenal Football Club. But we are not willing right now to pay in excess of 30 million to secure your signature now. If Yuri Tiedemans knew categorically 100% that Arsenal were desperate to do this deal this summer, I think Yuri Tielemans would be making more noise. I think his agent would be making more noise. I think his camp would be doing their bit to force this through, would be doing their bit to try and persuade or force Leicester City to accept a lower offer in order to facilitate the transfer. The fact that that's not happening, to our knowledge anyway, Makes me think that Arsenal aren't that desperate. Makes me think that Tom's update is absolutely spot on, that Arsenal are willing to wait until 2023 to get this deal done. But I can't say that's what I want and I can't say that's what I'm happy with. I do think that we need to get ahead of the curve here a little bit. You know, as as Matt rightly points out in the chat, 
in 12 months' time, there will be numerous clubs interested in Yuri Tiedemans because he's a top quality player. And at that point, he'll be available on a free transfer. Sometimes you have to overpay to gain the advantage. Sometimes you have to move first. And as Tom rightly said, there is a good chance that if another club came in this summer, Arsenal may well feel that they do need to then speed it up. So maybe they're going to hold out for as long as they possibly can until maybe somebody else comes in, until maybe uh, they get an indication that, you know, that, that they risk losing him next summer. But yeah, it's it's a strange one. But as I say, check out Tom's article. You can find uh, the link, I'm sure, on his uh, Twitter page at Tom Canton Media. Um, and he brings us a, a superb update about Yuri Tielemans. So keep up the good work, Tom. Um, but yeah, that's the latest on Tielemans. Arsenal, quite happy to wait at the minute, it seems. Just quickly before uh, we move on to some of the other stories, I just want to take this one uh, from Moss, who says, uh, what about this new link to Sandro Tonali? Uh, he plays for my Serie A club, AC Milan, says Moss. Um, is he the next Pirlo? Kind of looks like him too. I could tell you he's not the next Pirlo. I don't think he's he's anywhere near that level, Sandro Tonali. I think he had a better season last season. I think he kind of joined Milan previously with a lot of expectation. There was a lot of hype around him. And I remember at the start of last season when we were recording a podcast saying that this was a big season for him. He really needed to step up. Did he go on to hit the levels that I hoped? No, not quite, but he was still better and improved. Not for me, though. Um I've got a big thing about Serie A players coming to the Premier League. I don't think it's the easiest transition to make. I think it's much easier for players, for example, to join from the Bundesliga, maybe Ligue 1 as well, just because of the style of football. I think the pace and the tempo in Italy is so much slower and there is a much greater emphasis on positional play, on the tactical side of the game. Not to say there isn't any of that in the Premier League, but because of that greater emphasis, I think you require a different skill set essentially, to be successful in uh, in the Serie A. And I'm not sure that Sandro Tonali is the one I'd be banking on. And also, Arsenal would have to pay a lot of money to get him out of Milan because he is very much a part of their plans moving forward. So, you know, this, this would be too great a risk, in my opinion. I don't think there's anything in this, if I'm being completely honest. I think that the reports came out from Italy. One of those questionable sources, as we talk about quite a bit on this show, the Italian media is not the most reliable when it comes to uh, the, these types of stories. And I feel like they're always linking their players away and linking their players with moves to the Premier League, partly in an effort to show the Serie A as this hot breeding ground of talent, which it can be, but it isn't always. And, and that's really, really important to remember. Also, you know, Milan are the reigning champions, Scudetto winners, Last season, they've got Champions League football. A lot of people are tipping them to go on and retain the title. I'm not sure that if I were Sandro Tonali, an Italian lad who knows exactly what it means to represent a club of Milan size, I'd be jumping to the Premier League at this point in my career. Money is always a big factor. Money is always what tempts, I believe, players away from Serie A and brings them to the Premier League. Because in terms of the way that league is regarded within their own country, you know, it's it, it's so positive. And I think that, yeah, there, there isn't really a need for Italian players to go away other than a financial one. So I don't really think there's much in this and I, I wouldn't be getting carried away with the Sandro Tonali links, my opinion anyway. 
couple of other updates. Uh, Hector Bayerin, what is going on there? There were reports going around yesterday. That's on Tuesday saying that he and his agent were meeting with Arsenal Football Club in order to, um, in order to, you know, terminate his contract, to come to some sort of agreement with Arsenal that would allow him to break ties with the club and join Real Betis. That's the place he wants to go. We all know that. But there have been conflicting reports since suggesting that actually there is no agreement in place between Arsenal and Hector Bellerin with regards to the termination of his contract. So make of that what you will. I think Arsenal are going to try and hold out as long as possible in order to try and get something for Hector Bellerin. We know it's not going to be a big amount of money. We know that ship has sailed. We know that Real Betis don't have a lot of money. In fact, there are reports coming out of Spain today that Real Betis are struggling to register players. Don't know how true that is. I haven't looked into it, but just something I, I came across when scrolling this morning. Their financial situation is not great. It's not good at all. And so if Arsenal are sitting there thinking that they're going to get a significant amount of money for Hector Bellerin, I can tell you that they're not. They're going to try and get something. I guess something is better than nothing. But I think there is an acceptance within uh, London Colney, within Emirates Stadium, that this is a deal that is going to be worth very little. They're just hoping to get something, as I say, rather than nothing. Uh, Pablo Marie is on his way to Italy. Looks as though he is going to join Monza, uh, a newly promoted side in the Serie A, who will have an obligation to buy clause inserted in the event that they do survive the drop in the Serie A. Now, I don't know a lot about Monza and I don't know how well equipped they are to try and, uh, and survive in the Serie A, but you know, financially, the difference between Serie A and Serie B is huge, just like it is between the Premiership and the Championship in terms of rights deals, in terms of revenues, etc., etc. Um, so clearly, they're trying to protect themselves against, uh, you know, the possibility of being stuck with Pablo Marie on a big wage when they might well be back in Italy's second tier come next season. So, yeah, um, they're protecting themselves, but they've moved to insert or to agree to that clause uh, in light of Hellas Verona's interest, who were seeking to sign Pablo Marie on a permanent basis. Personally, I would join Mon... Uh, beg your pardon. I would join Hellas Verona if I were him, but um, each to their own. Monza is a nice place, I guess. Um, so, yeah. I guess that plays a part too. Uh, in other news, uh, Cody Gakpo, who's been linked with Arsenal throughout the course of the summer, not very strongly, I have to say. I don't think it's ever got to the point where one of the the oracles, if you want to call them that, has, has gone as far as saying that that interest is moving forward. But it, it is a name that's been associated with Arsenal throughout the summer transfer window. Looks as though he could be a target for Manchester United. Now, I don't know what the hell is going on at Manchester United, but I am loving it. They are all over the place. Their transfer strategy is all over the shop. It's non-existent. The fans are unhappy. There's lots and lots of unrest at what appears to be a lack of a plan. Uh, Eric Ten Hag supposedly keen on bringing Marco Arnautovic, remember him, back to the Premier League. He currently plays his football in Italy with Bologna, um, but the fans not too happy about that. And Marco Arnautovic comes with, uh, I don't want to get too deep into it because, yeah, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but he comes with baggage, Marco Arnautovic, and it seems as though some of the Arsenal, uh, Arsenal, uh, <laughs> some of the um, 
Manchester United fans have expressed some concern about that. And I guess more than that, I guess that's part of the reason why they don't want him and part of the the kind of the complaint as a whole, if you like. But I think ultimately the fact that he's he would be an underwhelming signing at what is, I think he's going to be 34 in the not too distant future. I think Arsenal, I keep saying Arsenal because this is an Arsenal show, but I think the Manchester United fans just feel like that is not what they were expecting going into a new summer, the start of a new era with a new manager with this solid philosophy who was going to take the club back to the promised land. So, yeah. And also Adrian Rabio as well. You know, we understand that a deal has been agreed with Juventus for Adrian Rabio. Don't rate him at all. Have not been impressed one bit by what I've seen from him in Juventus colours, but Manchester United pushing supposedly to get that deal done as well. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, also just wanted to touch on the Jeremy Pino stuff. Uh, VRAR winger being heavily linked with a move to Arsenal, although there were reports coming out yesterday claiming that actually maybe people had gone a little bit prematurely on this one and that the interest has not progressed to the point where a bid has been made or any formal contact has been had between the two clubs. I know a lot of people are keen on Jeremy Pino. I know Tom Canton, uh, my good friend, did a great episode breaking down Jeremy Pino. And I know a lot of people would be very willing to see him come to Arsenal Football Club. Me personally, though, I'm not sure. I just think if we're going to go out and bring in a winger, if we're going to go out and bring somebody in who is going to be challenging, potentially taking game time away from Saka, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, who's going to be competing with them. I feel like we need to go for someone who's a little bit more proven at the highest level. I think we need to go for someone who guarantees us a certain level, um, somebody who guarantees us uh, certain outputs. And I just don't think that Jeremy Pino is that. You know, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. Um, and when we're talking about the money that people are kind of talking about as well, it just feels like a massive almighty risk. I don't think Arsenal are going to be willing to take. So Jeremy Pino, for me, decent enough player. I saw him a few times in the Champions League and saw him a few times last season in La Liga. Wasn't overly impressed by him. Decent, tricky little winger. Looks OK, but no, not for me. Um, moving on, I just want to address the Sambi Lakonga story because a few of you are asking me, um, a few of you are asking me what the latest is on that. Um, in the chat, is Sambi Lakonga moving on from Arsenal? Well, there are reports coming out of Italy that AC Milan are in contact with Sambi Lakonga. This comes from Marco Conterio, who is the chief editor at Tutto Mercato Web, uh, also works on Rise Sport. He says uh, that Milan are in contact with Sambi Lakonga, who's been told by Arsenal he can leave. However, Arsenal sources at the moment are pushing back and saying, no, Sambi Lakonga is, is part of Arsenal's plans, isn't going anywhere and will be a Gunners player when the transfer window shuts on the 1st of September. And I tend to lean that way. I don't think that it's beyond the realms of possibility that Milan would have an interest. In fact, he fits in to the Milan model perfectly. It's exactly what they've done over the last few years. They've brought a very good mix of experience in the likes of Ibrahimovic, Giroud, etc., etc. But they've also um, been very sort of 
keen to bring in young talent that can take them up to the next level and hopefully sustain their level, but also be very good sellable assets in the near future. We keep talking about that disparity financially between Serie A and the Premier League. And the only way that they can close that, the only way that's within their control, I guess, at the moment is to try and recruit smartly and then move players on for big amounts of money. But Lakonga is expected to remain an Arsenal player as of now. I don't know that Lakonga's ready to play in the Premier League every week. I, I really do have doubts about that. Um, but also, I think there is still an... I've seen enough from Lakonga to suggest that with the right coaching, with the right exposure, he still has another couple of levels to go up to. So I wouldn't be in a rush to give him away. If Milan came in and said, here's 25, 30 million pounds, then I'd think about it. If you're talking about loans, if you're talking about minimal fees, if you're talking about loans with options to buy and all of that other nonsense, then I'm not interested. Keep Sammy Lekonga at the club because we are short on midfielders. The other way to look at this is, would Lekonga moving on force Arsenal to go out and do the Yuri Tielemans deal? And then you have a decision to make as to whether you think Yuri Tielemans would be better to help Arsenal today than Sambi Lekonga. And I would argue that he probably would be. And then it might make sense. But at this moment in time, I've got no indication that the reason we're not signing Tielemans is because we need to move Lekonga on or anything like that. So it feels like it's um, it's a little bit of a long shot at the moment. Um, I wouldn't read into it too much. But of course, you'd never say never uh, when it comes to transfers and certainly not uh, when it comes to fringe players at Arsenal, given the big recruitment drive once again this summer. Those are kind of uh, the, the late. Well, those are the latest stories. I mean, I wanted to touch just briefly on the rumours linking Arsenal with a move for Porto's Pepe, not the centre back um, winger who was said to be Luis Diaz's replacement when he went on to join Liverpool. According to Ebola in Portugal, a bid has gone in for around about 34, 35 million. I can't remember if it said euros or pounds. That's my bad. I should have checked that out. But I mean, is this just a convenient link because we signed Fabio Vieira from there? It feels that way. Again, like Jeremy Pino. And obviously, I trust that the club have a lot better people in terms of their scouting abilities and all of that and people who are right across these players before they even get to the point where the interest becomes concrete. But not one I'd be rushing to do either, if I'm being completely honest. So those are the latest stories. Let's take some of your questions for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the show. But just before we do that, a couple of quick reminders. If you haven't done so already, you can check out my interview with uh, Arsenal legend Alan Smith, uh, which was released on the channel yesterday. It's also available in podcast format. We've gone down to do some Premier League work uh, with uh, Sky last week. And Alan Smith very kindly uh, gave us the green light to talk a bit of Arsenal as well for some exclusive content here on the Chronicles of Aguna. So a big thank you to Alan Smith and the team down at Sky for facilitating that. Uh, also, if you haven't left a like on this video, what are you waiting for? Please do so. There are uh, a fair few of you watching, but we've only got 77 likes on the board. There's no reason why we shouldn't have at least 200. Also, if you're new to the channel, please do subscribe. Right, let's see uh, what you guys are saying. Uh, Jid says, Tielemans plays on the right at Leicester. And it's right-footed. What makes people so sure 
he would thrive in the left-sided midfielder role. It's a really, really good point. I'm not sure that I would say he definitely needs to play on the left if he comes into this Arsenal team. I don't see why we couldn't make some adjustments. I don't see why, you know, somebody like... Well, I, I don't see why Tiedemans couldn't do it on the left. I think he could, um, you know, in that, that Arsenal midfield trio. I do think it would slightly change the balance of the side, though, as well. I think when you're a left-footed player playing in that position... Obviously, it's easy for you to open your body up and send balls wide and give your team that width with your left foot. Equally, though, there might be a temptation as a left footer to play the pass inside. Whereas on the right, if you're sorry, whereas if you're a right footer, you may feel that you can seamlessly play those passes left and be a little bit more uncomfortable playing them inside. It, it works both ways, right? It swings and roundabouts. I don't think that that's too big an issue, but it is an important point because right now the way the team works with Granit Xhaka in that position, there is a certain balance to it and there is a certain stability, technical stability that is, that you get by having a left-footed player playing on a left-sided position. So I agree with your point. I think it's a valid point, but I don't think it would be a deal-breaker in my personal opinion. But it is something to take into consideration and it is something you should consider when maybe identifying where it is exactly you think that Yuri Tielemans would fit into the side best. Some people might say, well, move Odegaard to the left because he's left-footed. But I think that takes away from Odegaard. I think one of the good things he does is get into those half spaces and drive in field. I think the fact that he combines with Bukayo Saka so well is, is one of his strong points as well. And I probably wouldn't want to lose that. So yeah, it, it's a really, really good, interesting point. Uh, Nav, going back to the Lakonga thing, says, did David Ornstein confirm it or is it one of the football journalists yet? It's not been confirmed by any of the big sources, as I say. Uh, Owen Cohen says, from Milan, would you rather have Benacer or Tonali? Haven't seen many. Um, Benacer links this summer, but intrigued to know from someone who watches Serie A who you think would be better. Um, I think Benacer would be better for the Premier League. Obviously, Benacer was at Arsenal as well in the past, right? So, you know, that he understands maybe the English football culture a little bit better. And I do think that is a thing. Um, you know, it's not to say that, you know, he's an experienced campaigner in the Premier League. And so, therefore, if he came into the side, he would definitely hit the ground running. But the point being that having spent some time at Arsenal, having played for the under-23s, he'll have a better idea of what to expect if he was to make that move than... Sandro Tonali would. I think experiencing different leagues, different styles is is important. And I think Ismail Benacer, you know, having played at Empoli before Milan, probably knows the Serie A inside out, but having grown up in France, probably understands a little bit more of what the Premier League entails. You know, he's been in France, as I say, which is much more similar in terms of style, but also has been at a Premier League club, albeit in the under-23s in the past, our club, in fact, and probably would have less of a culture shock, which would, you you think, in theory at least, make that transition a little bit easier. A couple of people asking who my team are in Italy. I don't have a team in Italy. I, I do have a soft spot for Milan, but I wouldn't say they're my team. I wouldn't go that far uh, on it. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, Vlad says, Harry, do you, do you worry 
about Zinchenko's defending ability, particularly against the better teams. Still feel like Tierney will be very important this summer. I do not for a second doubt that Kieran Tierney is a better defender than Alexander Zinchenko, but I think Alexander Zinchenko brings other things to the club. A winning mentality, the ability to stay fit. I think technical security, I think he's better technically than Kieran Tierney. I would trust him when he gets into the final third to be better at picking out the right pass, executing the right pass. It's not to say Tierney's bad at that. I just think Zinchenko technically is a really, really top footballer. In terms of his defending, I think there have always been question marks about that, even prior to when he came to Arsenal. But I think that question has, has kind of jumped to prominence again in the past week since he struggled a little bit in the second half at Crystal Palace. I'm still not 100% sure how much of that was down to fitness. I'm not saying it was all down to fitness. I'm not excusing him of any responsibility. But I do think he got tired in the second half. And I do think that that then paints a false picture with regards to how good he is as a defender. So I'm going to reserve my judgment on that a little bit longer. But I think everywhere else, I think in every other aspect, he gives us a lot. And I don't mind him playing. Um, week in, week out. Well, what else have we got? A uh, big hello to uh, John Ingham, who says, first time watching live. I always catch it later. Keep loving Arsenal. Harry, thank you so much, mate. And uh, thank you for joining us. Good to have you in the live chat. Uh, Ayush says, uh, hey, Harry, can't Betis pay Arsenal a couple of mil to cancel Bellerin's contract so Arsenal end up getting something for him? Well, it's my understanding that Hector Bellerin's quite happy to forego the money that, or, or I don't know if forego is the right word, waive the money that is remaining on his contract just to break free of Arsenal. He knows he's going to get less money, but he just wants that move. It's not about money with Hector Bellerin right now. It's about him and his preference. And I think that he will be doing everything he can behind the scenes to just cut clean of Arsenal um, and and then facilitate that move. But as I say, Betis, have, I don't think Betis can physically pay that money. Like, I know it's easy to say, like, oh, they're just taking the piss and, you know, they're just trying to get the best deal possible. When I've read a few bits over the last few days about Betis' situation, the more I've read, I should say, about Betis' situation, the more I think that this is a real problem for them. So, yeah, I mean, that would be the, the ideal scenario. I don't know if it if it will come to pass. Uh, Giovanni says, I think you've been a bit harsh on Pino. He offers something that we don't have in a more creative winger with better passing ability. No cre real credible links. But against United in the CL, he was class. Yeah, I mean, uh, don't take me the wrong way. I'm not saying he's a crap player. I'm just thinking that the amount of money that it would cost to get him out of Villarreal, given that there are said to be other clubs who are at least monitoring his situation, I think on that basis, it poses too big a risk. That's my opinion. It doesn't mean Arsenal won't do it. it. doesn't mean I'm right, but that's just my view. When that name come up, I wasn't like, you know, in the way I was when we were linked with Rafinha, I wasn't like, yep, that would definitely upgrade us in that position. That's definitely something we should try and do. I just don't feel that way about the potential of a deal for Jeremy Pino. But again, that's just my, that's just my opinion. Uh, Sunak says, uh, would you give Reese a chance on the right wing? There doesn't seem to be an obvious level up in that position. Why not try him? I prefer Pepe to Reese Nelson. I think he would score you more goals 
produce more assists. I think he would impact games more. Maybe he doesn't have the the work rate that Mikel Arteta's after. Maybe he doesn't bring you the defensive um, side of things that, that Mikel Arteta clearly wants in terms of the press and stuff. But in terms of impacting games, I think that that Nicolas Pepe is still a better option than Reese Nelson, which means to me that Reese Nelson's game time is going to be severely limited, which probably suggests to me that he should be moved on and given the opportunity to go and spread his wings elsewhere. That's my view anyway. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to take one more question uh, before I uh, wrap it up. There was one that I thought was really good that I just wanted to pick up before I go. Uh, uh, Sweets Candy says, Harry, would you trust the midfield of Zinchenko on the left, Partey at DM and Tielemans on the right? I think that's a, a very good alternative midfield in the event that we were without Odegaard and Xhaka. I do. And, and again, you know, we've talked a lot about Zinchenko's role, what it entails, what it will look like, etc., etc. Um, But at the end of the day, we know that he's been brought into play in multiple positions. And we know that that was part of the reason why he appealed to Arsenal, aside from Arsenal just going out and bringing in a fullback to cover Kieran Tierney when they knew that there was a good chance. Uh, Nuno Tavares would go out on loan. Great uh, goal by Nuno Tavares the other day, by the way. I don't know if I've done a pod since then, uh, but just wanted to give him a big shout out. I talked about the significance of going to a place like Marseille and how good I think that will do him. And obviously to get off to that start will certainly help his confidence. So, uh, well done, Nuno Tavares. But yeah, I mean, does the Zinchenko signing mean that we're not as desperate for a midfielder than we were prior to bringing him in? Probably. But I think as a football club, we've got to be very mindful and very aware of the fact that just because Kieran Tierney's come back to fitness doesn't mean he's going to stay that way. And looking at his track record, I think it would be naive to not bring in another midfielder because there is a strong chance that Zinchenko will play a lot of football at left back. That's how I see it. All right. Thank you uh, all so, so much for your great questions and your wonderful interaction. As always, just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. Um, we're on 110 likes at the moment. Let's try and get it to around about 200 before the end of the stream. The headline today, Arsenal are said to be prepared to wait for Yuri Tielemans. It's understood that Leicester are looking to uh, demand around about £32 million for the player, which Arsenal feel is too much. Arsenal would be willing, according to the report, to wait until as long as next summer to get that deal done. Interesting. Going to leave it there. Catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, uh, stay safe. All the best. And we'll be back tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content. Until next time, goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.